Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode number 113 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. I hope you're all enjoying the loosening of your lockdown restrictions. Well, I've got to say, last week's episode, Annika Rice got so much love. And it only turned out that Ben from the Ben Oakley Gallery, only used to work for her, used to drive the buggy around on um, Challenge Annika. So it turns out he's been driving people around the Ben for years. Ray Richardson's show, Brighter London, at Bow Arts finished on Thursday. So I shot down there on Wednesday for my first gallery day in I don't know how many months. So to take advantage of my day out, I got up into London a couple of hours early. Getting off the train at Oxford Street, my first stop was Sadie Cole's HQ. There was a fabulous installation of uh, acrylic horses. You may have seen them online. They was, all so- <laughs> they was all socially distanced. From there I went over to the Gagosian, which was showing Rachel Whitereed's internal objects. Man, her installations are always so calming and, and, and almost ghostly. And on my way out, about 30 yards from the back of the Gagosian, there's like a posh little Mayfair muse. And there was a queue of uh, half a dozen socially distanced people. So I've done a little detour to see what everyone was queuing for. And oh my days, it was only the Lindsay Ingram Gallery. I'd never been there before. It had been taken over by Lucy Sparrow and made into a felt-filled chemist. I asked the guy, man in the queue, how long um, it would be if I was to get at the back of it, and he said it'd be about an hour. Although the arty gods were looking down on me at that moment, because he said there were some people that had booked a slot ten minutes ago and hadn't turned up, and he's going to give them five more minutes, and if they're not there, then uh, I can have their space. And luckily for me, they didn't turn up. 
It was stacked from floor to ceiling in everyday chemist products made entirely out of felt. It was just an explosion of colour and fun. Absolutely loved it. And then lastly for that day was my intended exhibition, Ray Richardson's Brighter London at Bow Arts over on Maddox Street. The exhibition comprised of paintings that was more or less completed during lockdown. Man, Ray knows how to put a bit of oil on canvas. What an excellent show, and, a, and across two levels as well. And on Saturday, Matt Dukes was down at Walthamstow at Art Snug doing his pop-up for Restore Mother Earth. So I popped down to see him. But most importantly, I talked to my other half, Jenny, to coming down with me. She doesn't normally do anything arty because, um, well, she's not really an arty person. But when we got down to Art Snug, we, um, we spoke to Matt for a little while outside. And inside, we got speaking to Johanna Wilbraham. She's made some amazing portraits just using kitchen ingredients and herbs and spices. They were stunning. So much so that when we was leaving, Jenny said, I can't stop thinking about her Mother Earth print. And she wanted to go back and buy a print of it. I know it doesn't sound much, but knowing her interest in art, I was properly chuffed. So she went back and got one. Superb. And if you're in the Walthamstow area, pop down to Art Snug. It's a properly good little gallery that really works closely with its artists. But anyway, enough of me babbling on about what I've been doing all week. Let's move on to this week's episode, which is Lee Cavalier from Voma. So Lee is a well-known figure in the art world, as well as being a private art dealer and curator. For a number of years, he worked with a Tate's collection displays. Then he went on to delivering contemporary exhibitions programme at Max Wingram Gallery, and then the Fine Arts Society on Bond Street. He's the founder of an amazing charity called The Sixteen Trust, and most recently he has become the director of VOMA, the world's first entirely online art museum. Now many of us have used and visited virtual galleries like Kunst Matrix, and my favourite exhibit, but this is something totally different. Those I've just mentioned are a virtual gallery space that you can hire and create your own exhibitions. Whereas VOMA is a virtual museum with several curated rooms. So it's accessible for anyone around the world as long as they've got an internet connection. It was something that came to fruition after having a conversation with his friend Stuart Semple, who's on here in a couple of weeks himself. But like most ideas between creative people, it wasn't long before it became a reality. Brilliant. Now, before I introduce you to Lee, I mentioned his charity, The 16 Trust, earlier. Now, hang around at the end of this conversation because there's a little update on The 16 Trust that I really do want to share with you. But I'll keep you waiting till the end. But until then, please come and join me with Lee Cavalier speaking about Voma. I mean, Voma, like, it, it kind of, it's waves, you know, because Voma, like, the months before a, a launch, it's, like, full-time, full-on. You know, right now, we're we're thinking more strategy stuff and thinking yeah. about, the, you know, the next steps, which is, you know... But, you know, you just don't stop working, do you? You're nice. just working all the time. Nice. Um, well, we've, just, we've just mentioned Voma a couple of times there. Could you tell us what <laughs> Voma stands for? Voma. Voma is the Virtual Online Museum of Art. Excellent. Which isn't dreadfully catchy, but um, it, it does what it says on the tin. Um, yeah, it's the it's the first, the world's first completely virtual art museum. Got you. So it's unlike the the virtual galleries that you can um, get online, which are like a copy and paste, which I've used myself to have a little virtual exhibition. 
it's very much unlike those, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's interesting actually because we were making these grand claims that it was the first one ever, and actually it turns out it it is. I mean, there have been other projects, you know, like the commercial galleries got on board like last year with it, um, three you know three D environments, yeah. you know, proper galleries, um, and museums have been doing their whole kind of you know three sixty photo kind of version of the yeah. gallery kind of thing. But this one doesn't exist in the real world at all. It's completely fabricated. It's um, totally online and you access it through a browser. Um, so it's available anywhere that there's an internet connection. Um, you can even get it in China with a VPN. I've got friends over there. I was like, oh, can you good. get it? Oh, that connection. <laughs> That's always the test, you know. It's like, <laughs> if you can get it in, Chen in Chengdu, then you're, you're, you're doing well. Um, well. How did the idea come around to build it? Uh, well, it was it, it was kind of conceived by Stuart Semple, who's an artist. He probably know, and um, he he's always been very socially minded, and his work's always been very much to do with kind of supporting causes outside of the arts, and actually using the arts to reach different causes. So uh, he and I have known each other a number of years. I showed him in um, the Fine Arts Society when I was head of contemporary there, but. Um, we've always had the same same kind of mindset, really, when it comes to making art kind of available for everyone, because yeah. there are so many barriers in place for so, you know, most people, you know, we're talking like 90 odd percent of people just don't really have access. Yeah. Well, they feel they've got access. Maybe they do have access. They might walk past a gallery every day, but never think to go in. Them, them buildings can be quite intimidating can't they you know yeah like horrible i still get it now i remember i went into the met and i was giving a talk to the directors of the met in new york and i still felt like i walked in there i was like wow <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and i think stuart grew up in outside of uh, he was he grew up in dorset so he never got to go to museums and um i grew up in surrey i was lucky enough you know i was like 20 minutes outside of london yeah um, so I always kind of had access, but I think, you know, working with the charity as well, you know, I, 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 some of the schools that we work in are in Thanet in the south, uh, southeast in Kent. Yeah. And uh, it's an hour from London, but, you know, these kids wouldn't even conceive of going to London. It's like yeah. going to the moon for them. So it's to do with kind of just putting, giving access to art in, in everyone's pocket, really. That's why we wanted to get it in browser. Well, I lived in a London borough of Barking and Dagenham growing up, and I never went to a gallery until I got into art when I was 30. Right, yeah, because it's like right outside London. Just, right? Just, <laughs> exactly. But As art just wasn't on my radar. Right. You know, and, and I, I wouldn't have, I, I had no interest in it, but with it being virtual, I mean, it, it just falls into the category of like, you know, kids with gamers. You know, they're so used to being in them virtual environments. It's only another step to walk into a virtual gallery, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it. these these kids are the the experts on this stuff. Yeah. This is this isn't new to them. You know, the idea that the art world has been struggling to get into digital for decades is just mad. When you look at how these kids interact, you know, I've got a son who's fourteen, and he loves VoMA. You know, he he's into the tech. He's you know, he, most like fifty percent of all people who go to VoMA do it in their mobile device. So they've literally got a museum in their pocket. You know, that kind of ownership of an art institution such as it is, it has never really existed. You know, it, it, that's owned by the people. Really. Do you think that was because these big institutions, although they did want to get online, 
they may have wanted the online environment to come into their gallery rather than what you've done and you've just dedicated everything to the virtual experience i think I've, we've had a lot of conversations because i came from a museum's background to start with i was yeah. at the tate one and went into commercial galleries but um it's it's a very how do i put it it's a very specific environment working in a large museum um tate's pretty forward thinking compared to others yeah, yeah. but it's still very difficult it's a difficult ship to steer because it's it just takes so long to get anything done yeah um and the systems that are in place particularly in you know government supported things you know i remember i bump into the minister for culture media and sport just in the corridor you know we were kind of aware that you know everything was kind of hyper regulated yeah. so it's very difficult to kind of do anything and i think the conversations i've been having with museums over the last couple of years while we've been developing boma it's been really revealing because you know there is a lot of goodwill for this kind of stuff mm. and they want to be able to serve their collections and serve the public, you know, by, by serving the collection. I mean, you know, that can be a really bad thing as well, but they do need to get their stuff seen by people. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of means and a matter of kind of having the, the ideas and having the funding and having the time yeah. and also being able to, you know, get over the heaving bureaucratic monster that is the, <laughs> the that you're working in. Yeah. you because know, there's really good people this isn't necessarily about the people that are working there it's about the structure of the museum yeah it, it's an impediment to progress it's a problem yeah and you know it's we so, wanted to it's so grounded on its own traditions isn't it you know yeah yeah and you talk to I, i've been in some kind of panel discussions and with museum like kind of leaders in a way and um and it's like kind of explaining this stuff to them is like explaining a new form of physics they just don't <laughs> they don't really have to get they're like well, sorry how does that work within the current thing it's like it doesn't work within the current thing we've got to expand it so i think what what we're hoping for Boma is that it's it's a source of inspiration for people people are actually realizing oh hang on a minute you can do it it's not impossible yeah because that's the thing as well people just thought it would just be impossible to kind of switch and it's not. And also, I think the last year, you know, museums particularly have suffered so horribly during the pandemic. It's like, I think we, we had figures coming out of the States saying over 30% of all museums were under immediate threat of closure due to right. lack of money. Yeah. And I think in the, in the UK, like before the stimulus package, it was something like 60% were under threat of closure. And that's terrifying yeah, <laughs> you know that's all museums and so mainly the the rural ones as well so you you're missing like these you're going to end up with these culture deserts where you just don't have any kind of museum yeah. in place so they they just had to get on it quickly and i think what we want for voma is is for it to be a place where people can kind of go and talk about this stuff and find out about it and share ideas um and see that it's you know it's doable so from from um, the the concept between Stuart and yourself, was it just to build a ga uh, a gallery museum online with several rooms that the public could go and walk around? I presume possibly even um, you could bring in an artist every month, every week, or and I suppose the gallery rooms are endless, aren't they? 
Yeah, that's it, basically. I mean, we wanted to ground it in reality as much as possible. You know, I, I've seen some digital experiences that have been a bit too digital, if you know what I mean, where it doesn't feel like it's a real thing and it's quite hard to get a grasp on. So what we wanted to do as much as possible was, um, you know, replicate the experience of going into a gap, into a museum and seeing actual real life artworks that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise. Um, so that was important. But yeah, on the flip side of that, it's not a real place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not actually walls. There's not actually a floor. We had to wait years for the Tate's extension. And with yours, I suppose you can just ask the programmers to um, just to click one on the side. I, I, it's yeah, probably it's not as easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, we're, we're launching the convertible gallery. That was... Um, Brilliant. One of my thoughts is it coming from a kind of art conservation background. Yeah. Got a gallery that's going to go outside and it's going to have no roof. And the idea is that it's um, the work in there is going to be work that's suggested by artists that are in the shows. Yeah. So it's kind of it just the idea is like constantly to be asking for ways to develop. And, and I think it's like you said, you know, a, a museum is a kind of a scary building. And I think a lot of the problems around, um, you know how stuck museums can feel is the fact that they're, they're reliant on this building and the building is in a way sometimes it feels like you're walking into a kind of a monument and mm. and it doesn't really have anything to do with you and it's not really it doesn't feel kind of alive and vital yeah and yeah. um so with voma we can just keep changing it and we intend to you know um yeah, Stuart, like when Stuart was talking to me about it, he goes, you know, if if the ceiling's not high enough, just make the ceiling higher. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just amazing, you know, a bit mind-boggling to start with. Well, it but... goes back to what you were saying at the start of this, just like Lego, you know, if you need it higher, put a few more bricks on and yeah. oh, there it is, you know. Yeah, and it's a creative environment, you know, and it it allows, like like you say, we're getting artists in as well, you know, we're, we're going to start doing commissions. And talking to artists about it and just saying, look, you know, there, there is a room, it's called the artist space. At the moment, we've got Danny Marty in there, which is yeah. amazing because I love him and I've wanted to work with him for a long, long time. Um, and that's a pretty simple video installation, which is more or less a replicate. Well, it's not replication, but it's it's being shown in Sydney at the same time, <laughs> which is great fun, um, in a real space, in uh, yeah. art space, Sydney. Um, but there's a you know that that isn't a real room so um i was talking with uh, artist bb boswell who we're, we're hoping to commission uh, to go in there and she was saying well of course you've given me the smallest gallery because i'm the artist right not important <laughs> and I, I said well yeah but the thing is you know she's been making all the stuff about um beaches and and uh, beaches as kind of spaces of dreaming and, yeah, and histories yeah. very beautiful she spent a lot of time on the beach in zanzibar um making drawings and um i said look if you want you can walk in there and it can be zanzibar you know it doesn't need to be a room you can have yeah. a little portal and just walk in and you're on the beach everything's possible and you give that to an artist and they just run with it you know yeah. artists have always been at the forefront of new technology so you know you're just going to give them that and say go yeah have fun i mean how did you design the the uh the museum in the first place uh, it's architect designs, so it's designed by Emily Mann, um, who was really interested in. It's I can't remember. She's going to kill me, but I can't remember the name of the uh, the uh, the philosophy. But it's a Japanese post-war philosophy that's to do with renewal. 
so she it's all these wonderful open spaces and uh and i mean for me it looks like a kind of a brutalist modernist structure which yeah. really kind of suits the kind of socialist um <laughs> propagandist kind of uh, excellent aesthetic of boma in general but yeah it's it's a it's properly architect designed um and then built by these uh wonderful guys who work with um we've got a team basically over in the states and they work with uh computer games design special yeah. effects architecture design that kind of stuff so they're like right at the top of their game um and they're going mental on it i mean they're constantly updating it i mean michael's just put in if you stand on the other side of the river and look back the sun is moving <laughs> amazing yeah, we're going to get seasons in there and everything. But I suppose with, with the guys who do that, normally they work to a rigid brief, don't they? Whereas mm. if you're saying to them that you can experiment a bit with, you know, with your own ideas, like you was just saying, any creative is going to rub their hands together, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And they are artists, you know. I mean, life, Michael's you know? A, yeah, Michael's a fantastic digital artist. You know, he's an absolute genius. He's like our head of CG. And, you know, I remember when we were designing it, he was, we were stood outside Voma and he was zooming in on the floor and he was showing us the uh, the pine needles and he was kind of brushing <laughs> with, the, with the cursor and saying, yeah, so they're, re they're responsive. And, you know, when the blossom falls on the tree, it blows in the breeze as it should do. And I'm just like, wow. Amazing. And this is before it even got started on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the outside yeah. sorted. Yeah, it's beautiful. What is the vision for Voma? It's, yeah, I guess the thing that we can do that I think museums have had trouble with historically is listening. Because yeah. it's very difficult. I mean, museums are always asked, you know, they would love to know exactly what is going on in the minds of their visitors, but it's quite difficult to capture that. We, we can and we do all the time. There's a little, you know, chat box and you can just put your thoughts in as you're walking around. And, you know, we pick those up a couple of times a week. Um, but it's it's a constantly evolving thing so we're going to keep on going with the you know program of shows i want to get more curators in at the moment i'm just curating everything Brilliant. Um, but the curating is is much more of a partnership that's just always been my kind of headspace with curating anyway so it's very much kind of talking with the artists about you know it's an artist-led curatorial program yeah. really and do, you, um, do you think it, there'd ever be a room there for hire we have been thinking about that. Um, basically, we've been been approached by various people about you know what what you know commercially um, people might want to invest or whatever, and, and we're kind of looking at different ways of doing that. I think we might do that as a separate project. Um, the guys are kind of raring to go on building out different spaces that we can then just hire out because um, we do need to financially support the thing moving forwards. Yeah. Um, I think maintaining our independence is really key because, you know, we don't want to, you know, put our put put the program in the hands of someone who might, you know, change it. For the yeah, who wants to try and push it towards a model of a, a static gallery, which is always yeah, exactly, a problem, right? isn't it? Yeah. And I think the, the, the thing is just to keep keep fingers on the pulse and just keep listening and... Um, and don't forget why we started doing it, which is really to kind of ask, you know, what is a museum? What do we think it should be? How do we get more people involved in it? Um, so we just launched like the Discoveries Wall, which is, um, you know, it's just work that's been suggested by visitors, mem members of the public, you know. So this is an idea of 
how to reach new artists, you know, because it's not just reaching audiences, it's finding artwork globally, you know. Um, so, yeah, so there's various things. We're going to run a um, uh, conference as well. Nice. Which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that's in partnership with Artichek and uh, a couple of other, like Vastari and various other kind of digital services. Yeah. Um, it's going to be about digital innovation, basically. And so we've got like galleries, shippers, um, you know, environmental groups wow. um, coming to that. And we've just just signed up a carbon partner as well. Because I think, you know, the art world is enormously carbon heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it should kind of look at that. I mean, it is looking at that, but it's yeah. like trying to think about how to look at it, like really, really, really look at it and use technology to make things better. Because obviously VOMA doesn't exist. <laughs> so we've got a pretty minimal carbon footprint. But, I mean, at the moment, it's... I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have dreamt of using a virtual gallery to be honest, a year ago or, or 14, 15 months ago. Mm. It wasn't until lockdown that I started trying to look at a way to, to get my work shown, which wasn't just a, a flip chart on a page, you know. Mm. Um, and and it, it, it has now given people um, a new respect for the, for the virtual world that wouldn't have used it before. And, and I was one of those, just like, like Zoom, like we're using at the moment. I wouldn't have dreamt of doing a, a podcast interview over the computer like this. I, I was, you know, I wanted to do them all face to face, but mm. you know, you, you just, there's so many plus points. To yeah. I, I, I tell you, it's, it's a personal thing as well. You know, I, I think the first thing that I really realized in the first lockdown is, you know, you're sat in my bedroom right now. Welcome to my yeah. bedroom. You know, <laughs> we're chatting the other day and you're in, we're in the dining room. Exactly. You know, I could have got up and just, played your little ditty on the piano. <laughs> and you're having conversations with like gallery directors and they're, you know, their cats jumping up on the keyboard, you know, yeah. it, it, it's a different environment to, to be having conversations about creativity and about art, which I really like. It really suits me. Um, it's funny because I used to, you know, working in the Tate and things, you'd have these meetings in these grand rooms and, you know, and you'd invite people back into the offices and it's like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> in sanctum and, and it's like no it's let's just have a chat you know um and it does kind of get in the way of having a, a real conversation sometimes because you have to get over the fact that you're where you are yeah plus you know you know i'd be having meetings in the morning in hong kong in the middle of the day in london in the afternoon in new york brilliant and it's impossible yeah. you can't do it. and and i think yeah i think the art world is getting a bit it was getting fatigued you know of all this travel as well yeah know having to go to all those art fairs I, I went to i think in 2019 i went to 20 countries and some of them like three or four times yeah like just doing the art trail and that's just unsustainable for everyone you know you'd see like, the clients are exhausted the galleries are exhausted the artists aren't getting shown enough because it's just it, it's just mad yeah i mean it's, it's the perfect environment for you to be promoting voma isn't it yeah i mean corona wasn't anything to do with you was it you didn't sort of start that uh, <laughs> to sort of highlight, yeah. highlight your museum yeah. well uh, it's, it's one of the less ridiculous yeah. theories actually <laughs> yeah, been, uh, yeah. no it was it was all purely by coincidence it was much more to do with the um the technology being being you know actually at the point that we could do something yeah you know because before you 
a few years ago, I don't think we've been able to do this. Uh, we were struggling to get it in in browser anyway. I mean, we just started um, just launching a uh, video mural by an artist called Melvin Gallupon. And even that was a bit of a struggle, you know, because we were very ambitious. Yeah. And we're really pushing the tech as far as it will go. And we, you know, built it in a game engine, which is why it's such high quality. Brilliant. But that stuff, yeah, that's really squeezing it into a browser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can yeah we wanted it to be a nice place to be. And it's really nice because the weather's always lovely. <laughs> you know, throughout throughout the winter it's been quite nice to go there and just stand outside for a and bit. It's always open <laughs> holidays. <laughs> yeah. And there's never anyone there as well. <laughs> this is the interesting thing, because like I, I was lucky when I worked at the Tate, I'd always go in at eight AM before the public um came in yeah. and just wander around the galleries on my own and feel like, you know, top of the world. In uh, in Voma, there was conversation earlier earlier on about you know whether we'd show avatars and things and i, yeah. I was dead against it from the outset because you know apart from that it's unnecessary there's no need for it it's also like you know you're going to spend 20 minutes working out what your hairstyle is before yeah. you come in you know yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to ask that for <laughs> walk around and see other people in there but... yeah well with, with the, there are some interesting things i having a chat with the guys yesterday because you can now do um kind of deep fake uh, models. So there can be a version of me that looks exactly like me. Wow. That you can interact with, like a robot Lee, which we've been having quite a lot of fun with that idea. Yeah. I think we're going to get an artist to, um, uh, there's, an art, well, there's an artist who wants to make a project using avatars. And um, so we're going to let him rip on it, I think. Well, I know the Saatchi Gallery had like little robots going around, like physical robots in the gallery. And you could connect to them virtually and and oh, you can really? get this robot to go walking around oh, no walking. way i, I didn't hear that Dalek. i oh, didn't i didn't amazing. experience it myself i saw it on either the telly or the internet about six weeks ago or, oh, I, I forget what time is now you know during lockdown yeah, but right, a short yeah. while ago they stuck a, a <laughs> camera on a little dalek if you like and there was several <laughs> of them going around this room in in the Saatchi gallery. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Well, so you just like radio control it from home? I presume so. I just saw a little clip of it on, on screen. That is fun. I mean, I I thought, again, I, I don't know. The thing is, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because we are at this stage now that everyone's going, okay, what can we do? How do we get people into things? You know, because everyone is desperate to get, you know, eyes on art, you know. Yeah. One way or the other, the commercial galleries need to sell it. The museums need to kind of, you know, get their collections out there. And everyone's realizing that, yeah, actually, access was always a bit shit. Yeah. And maybe, you know, this has been a bit of a revolution for people. And maybe it is okay to just go and look at things. I remember in the, you know, virtually, I, I remember in the first lockdown, I had one of those, uh, what are they call the little Google Cardboard. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Oh, so fun. So, like, <laughs> At least a couple of times a week, I'd go to some obscure little, you know, museum somewhere in like Baltimore or, or you know, out in the sticks somewhere and just see what they had, you know, because like there's quite a resource online of this stuff. So you're looking around and learning about the founding fathers. And I went to Bauhaus. I went for a tour around Bauhaus. Yeah. And it was like, this is awesome. I've never done this stuff before. Excellent. And it's it's not hard and it's not complicated or expensive to do um, to get some semblance of an experience. And I think, you know, people are kind of realizing that. 
you know, and I, I've never been to, I'd love, I love Bauhaus and I'd never been yeah. to Bauhaus. You know, I love all that stuff, but I just never got around to doing it. <laughs> it's just a good job that yourself and Stuart um, sort of had the same idea or interest in, in this world to, to get it up and going. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of the, uh, he's been in the internet space, internet art stuff for like since before it was a thing. Yeah. Um, so it's very much his his thing. Um, my thing is very much like, I just don't think that the art world should be run by the same people. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah. Yeah. You know, I know that I am, you know, a representative of that, you know, posh, white, bearded bloke that yeah. basically, you know, this is what most curators look like and sound like. But um, I think it's an attitude thing above all. And um, I think people do need to, you know, my, my way of curating things is, is like, it's a finding out exercise. You know, I go into things like not really, you're feeling that I don't understand and asking questions and getting artists to kind of tell me stuff and tell each other stuff and tell a story together. I mean, you're saying uh, about like a white middle-class bearded man being the, the curator in charge of, of, of whatever, having, having their bit of power. I don't care who the person is who is doing that as long as they want everyone to see what they're doing, not just those at the same level or above, you know, it, you know, arts, art should be for all. And, and if it's only um, being pointed at a certain demographic, then I don't like that whatsoever. Yeah, it's difficult. It's really difficult because I think a lot of people, they don't recognise that that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know, everyone is a function of their own education. And oh yeah, I, I doubt there's a conspiracy <laughs> trying to keep the uh, oi polloi at bay. You know, <laughs> well, I don't know. I think sometimes it is. It is uh, yeah. a few, few, few times more than we'd uh, feel comfortable with, actually, probably. But I think um, you know, a lot of it is just like something that I have actually realised over the course of the last couple of years is that um, museums actually have a bit too much. They they have this burden of responsibility on themselves yeah. that they need to be changed doing all of this work and actually they're not capable of doing it alone yeah and i think that's what everyone's kind of recognized over the last year is that you, you know these people are, are great at certain things you know they're great at what they do managing collections getting works out there talking about the work a lot of the time but there's loads of things they're not so good at you know which yeah. is like reaching out to communities and you know making it accessible making sure that people can reach it yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's where they need to start listening. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's a few little movements every several years that sort of have enough of the of what's going on in the art world and try to give it a little shake up, like Damien Hurst with his the, the Freeze guys and then sort of Banksy and the street art guys, you know, they come in, give it a little shake. And then in the end, these big in, these big corporations and mm. um galleries and, and museums they have to start listening because there is a change going and if they don't keep up with it they'll they will end up getting left behind won't they yeah they'll just become irrelevant and i think the thing is a lot of the time you know a lot of the big institutions are, are kind of already you know getting that way um yeah. you know because i mean but the thing is it's a generational issue you know it's not something that if we just kind of wait for it to pan out it's yeah. going to take another generation to sort out because if you, you look at like I think it was, I think it was 2018. I because I did a talk uh, a couple of years ago about um, about you know is the art world truly international? Because you get this feeling when you're jetting around the place. But actually, short answer is no, it's not. 
Um, <laughs> you know, it's mainly concentrated in three or four cities. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you end up with this kind of education system that's based on those three or four cities, right? So everyone goes through uni. And of course, you know, if you're curating a show in a museum, chances are you've probably got at least a master's, if not a PhD, right? Yeah. So you've had to go through all of that education, which has entrenched all these ideas. And that's like, so, and I found some nasty figures. There was something like 80% of arts graduates in New York, I think it was 2018, were white, like just, just white, like anything, nothing but white. Um, and guess what the demographic was of people going to museums in New York? It was the same. 80% white. Brilliant. So you basically got these people telling the same stories again and again and again. And, you know, when you look at museums, I mean, there's loads of reasons for this, but, you know, we just had another Warhol show in the Tate. So I, I think we know who Warhol yeah, is. Yeah, we've, we've got the hang of it. <laughs> I think we kind of got the hang of it. You know. Brilliant as he is. Yeah, I mean, we all love Warhol, right? But... I've got an apron, I've got a tea towel, I've got... <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so... You know, but I think what we need to do, and, and that, the problem with that is you think, you know, those arts graduates, they've spent the last 22, you know, the, that means the last 22 years or so, you know, till they graduate. That's, does that mean that the next 20, we got to wait another 22 years before that changes, you know, yeah. because these systems are still the same, you know, so we've got to kind of get a move on somehow and just make it, make it more accessible, you know, give people from outside of those very, very particular um, socioeconomic groups, you know, give them at least the notion that they can get into the arts and that they their voice is important, you know, which is what the 16 Trust is all about. And, you know, yeah. and by extension, what VOMA is all about. It's kind of, it's putting a museum in the pocket of, you know, that kid in Taiwan and, you know, that. You and know, have, you, have you any way of seeing the demographic of visitors to VOMA? Yeah. It's great. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, yeah, brilliant. yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, this is something that museums would absolutely kill for. I was, was going to say. Brilliant. Yeah, we know exactly who's coming in the door. And it's actually quite terrifying how much information the internet has about us. You know, we know. I don't, whether, I don't even want to know how much it's got. I'll be it's, paranoid. It's scary. Yeah, we, we know uh, Yeah, what age they are, where they're from, what language is their first, second and third language, all of this kind of stuff. We can also see how they're moving around the space, how long they spend in front of things, um, how they interact with things. It's, it's really, really revealing. I mean, it's actually also showing that people are really enjoying it, really engaging, you know. Yeah. And, and and what was fun, actually, one thing that I thought was fun was that I thought that people would get bored, like, just moving through the space, because I'm impatient, so I just want to zap across the room. But people <laughs> can do that. They, they move through from one point to the next. Yeah. And they look at things as you would if you're in a real museum. So people are trying to replicate that. You know, it's just a natural urge, I guess. And but yeah, yeah. So we, but it's funny because we get these spikes. So like, it's gone viral, basically, Poma has in a way that the art world never could, right? Yeah. So we get these weird spikes. So like, uh, one week, I think last month sometime, suddenly everything was, uh, everyone was in Brazil. We had like 1000 people a day in from Brazil. And I was like, what, what why? why? Actually, yeah. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> we, had, we did have a, a piece in the show by Luis Serbini, who's a pretty big Brazilian artist. So maybe there was a feature or something that we didn't know about. And then the week after that, everyone was from uh, Korea, from South Korea. Brilliant. Again, no idea why, but maybe there was some 
you know, someone tweeted it or something. Yeah, well, I suppose it only takes a, a couple of people to say, oh, look at this, what I've just found. And then it does go viral, even in, or say viral, just within that community, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it, and that's lovely because that's never been possible before. You can't like do a viral on, you know, a show at Take Britain, no matter how brilliant it is. You know, if you're in Taiwan, you can't come and see it. And how long does it take Voma to react to, tr to trends, to virtual trends? Uh, what do you mean? As in, if, if, for instance, you're getting loads of influx, like you say, from Brazil, for, for whatever reason, for, for some unknown reason, you've got loads of viewers from, from Brazil. Are you able well, to, to sort of put more Brazilian artists in, in one area within a few days? or? Yeah, I mean, we could do. Yeah, I think the thing is, it's very, um, we're pretty agile. You know, um, like we've got two Chinese languages in there now um, because we, we're getting a lot of visitors from Hong Kong and, um, and I want to encourage the mainland Chinese and Taiwanese uh, audience in as well. Um, but yeah, things like that, we can make it more accessible. You know, we do want to get um, Brazilian Portuguese in there because we've still got quite a high number and Korean. I don't have a Korean translator yet. As soon as yeah. I find one, we'll get everything translated into Korean. Wow. Um, so we've already got um, you know, we've got it in French, uh, what have we got it now? I think it's French, Spanish, German, Italian, and two forms of Chinese and something else as well. But yeah, we, we want to kind of up that. What we did want to do and we are playing with is the idea that what it will do is it will read where you're from as you come in the door and it will wow. say, do you want it in the, which language do you want the whole yeah. museum in? And then we'll just translate the whole museum into that. Um, yeah, and we are reaching out, you know, we we put this, you know, little chat bot thing in there saying, look, just if you've got any questions, any suggestions, here we are. So I'm, what I'm hoping is that, yeah, we'll get people from Brazil saying, you know, where where's this artist? Have you heard of this artist? You know? Excellent. Um, and something else I want to do as well, actually, is um, host uh, collections from from closed galleries. I was actually talking with Museo Tamayo in uh, in mexico about that because they've got a beautiful amazing beautiful collection and they're really cool and it's the national collection um and they've been closed for you know most of the last year um so i was thinking yeah we could just literally dedicate the main gallery and then you could just switch it from whatever's on at the moment to whatever they want to curate because yeah. you can have m multiple shows happening at the same time because <laughs> it's not a real space yeah. are so. you able to have 3d work and film as well yeah yeah so we've got film in there we've got 3d um sculpture which is really exciting actually it's the medusa by luciana garbati um uh, uh medusa holding the head of perseus which is this you know amazing sculpture um and he gave us the 3d model for that so that's the thing that we've got in there it looks like a bronze that's not a bronze that's the digital sculpture amazing. um and we've got the arch from the uh from Palmyra in Syria, nice. out the front, and that was a that that's uh, that's open source as well. That one that was uh, scanned as part of a project by Oxford University um, a year before it was destroyed by ISIS. So what we're hoping to do is create a whole part. Of, I've got a degree in archaeology as well, so this is like right up my street. <laughs> out but we want to like rebuild parts of Palmyra. Lost artworks, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. 
um, and things that have been destroyed as well. So there's loads of options for that. Um, the viewing of it is kind of slightly limited because we you can't fully spin around it no. yet, um, but we're getting there. <laughs> Excellent. So I suppose, I mean, the, you've, there is no limit to what you can do, is there? You don't need planning permission to put another wing on, do you? That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the fun thing. I was thinking about, um, you know, the logistics, you know, because after years in actual real life logistics, um, the last museum would have cost like something like $10 million to put on. And I, I'm trying to kind of pin down the exact numbers. I've got like shipping companies. <laughs> um, but even then it wouldn't have been possible because I don't think we would have been allowed, for instance, to move the Hieronymus Bosch yeah. um, from Prado. Um, so that would have been impossible. Um, the sculpture that's there now, you know, the, if that was a real arch, yeah. there's no way you can move no. that thing. It's like two and a half thousand years old and it's been blown up. <laughs> <laughs> so unless, you, unless you've got a, like a, unless you're good at jigsaw puzzles, you yeah, can put exactly. it all together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just reconstruct it from dust. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's the lovely thing about it. We are dealing in the impossible in a way. Um, but yeah, there aren't really any limits, you know, as, as soon as you ask a question, the answer is always yes, you know, of course we can do it. Um, I think, yeah, there are limitations of what we can squeeze into a browser, because um, we do want to, you know, we don't want to like bust everyone's internet. Yeah. And it has to be like available on a, you know, uh, you know, just not on a decent broadband yeah. or whatever. And you were saying about, um, it's going to come to a point pretty soon, I presume, where you're going to have to start bringing in a revenue to to keep it afloat. Mm. Is there a gift shop? There is a gift shop. Um, we're actually working on that now. Stuart and I have kind of got our, our heads on this. Brilliant. We're just trying to work out exactly what to do. Yeah. Um, a few, you know, it's obviously, yeah, we need to start generating revenue pretty pronto because, yeah. um, you know, it's mainly it's been privately funded so far. Yeah. So um in order to keep it going yeah we need to do that um but we don't want it's like with everything in voma it has to there has to be a point to it being in voma so it's not just going to be a shop shop you know it's not going to be a website because everyone's got one yeah so it's got to be something special um so what we are doing we're going to drop an nft artwork um in the next couple of days actually heard it here first um and we're thinking about, because we've got loads of merchandise in there, which is great, you know, beanies and mugs and socks and stuff, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, what we're thinking about doing is maybe having a takeover by a brand or having a takeover by uh, an artist. Um, and yeah, and working with NFT space as well to kind of help artists get into that because that's it's a bit baffling at this point for a lot of artists. It's not particularly baffling. It's just a matter of kind of, you know, if we give them a, a quick, you know, knees, you know, foot up into it. Um, yeah. well, uh, I suppose the shop, like the gallery, could be a, a department store with different sections of different artists and movements and what have you. Yeah, we did think about um, like a department store idea where... Um, like at the height of the uh, the lockdown, we were thinking we could host other museums' gift shops. Yeah, that's still on the back burner. We could do that because um, that would be quite fun. It would give like a like a marketplace of different um, museum shops. 
Um, but yeah, there's loads of ideas of what we could do. I mean, at the moment, the shop's like this lovely kind of sexy, slightly pretentious looking concept store, which yeah, I really like. But um, yeah, there's loads more we can do with it. We haven't even really got started on the it's shop. It's virtual, man. You can have a you can have a market stall if you want. Is that, is that, yeah, you yeah. Can have anything yeah like we can have a street market in Morocco or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> Just... The car boot fair being all <laughs> Yeah, we should talk to them, actually. That'd be fun. There you go. Yeah, we just have a load of, uh, load of car boots out the front. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing we're going to have to do. We've got one partnership, which I'm not ready to talk about yet because it's not been uh, finalised. But if that goes ahead, we've got, like, we're going to have to really open the doors wide to fit everyone in. <laughs> I love hearing about these these things. And, and you know, that just around the corner, it, it takes just a little something, a little bit of luck, so a little bit of interest from someone. And then it's it's flying away. It's brilliant. Have you had any yeah. interest from from galleries, from large galleries or museums? Yeah, museums, yes. Um, we've got a couple of pretty big um, potential things happening with museums. Uh, galleries less so because, you know, they're commercial, we're not. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, you know, like David's Werner and Hauser and Worth, they've got an entire room full of people dedicated to doing this stuff, yeah. so they don't need us. Um, whereas I think the museum sector has not really caught up in terms of creative thinking on this front yet. Um, I think, you know, it, it has in certain areas, like the big, big museums, like I think the Met's done some pretty good stuff and um, people like Tate are really kind of on it. Um, but I think for the rest of the museum world, they haven't really got their heads around it yet. So no. we have got, you know, a couple of, a uh, couple of pretty big potential things happening which are really exciting and involve like big um you know big collections and nice big designers and uh, you know big architects as well which is all good fun and um, the thing is our capability is just enormous yeah you know it's, it's like endless. it's pretty much just endless. throw anything at these if guys any, if anything you've got to rein yourselves back in <laughs> yeah, I said I feel like I have sometimes. You know, <laughs> right, and then I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want exactly. to do, you know the education program is just going to be amazing. And you know, That's all what stuff. I was thinking. Yeah, the, the outreach is going to be for for any area, for any sector. You, you know, school visits aren't going to be. You know, you're not going to be standing there looking at an artwork with a load of kids running past with bags of crisps. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's actually speaking of kids. Something I wanted to do was uh, make it so you can draw on the walls. Excellent. And then you can kind of save your version of Voma with all your drawings all over it. Because there's one thing you're not allowed to do in museums is touch anything. So no. you, yeah, you say you've got these kids like, and most of the time you go to a museum, they're all sat on the floor doing a drawing of yeah. Mona Lisa or whatever. It's like yawn. You know, what, what about drawing on it? You know, and also like. You know, we're talking about letting in street artists and like doing a collaboration with some street artists. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to a bunch of street artists in Latin America at the moment about just letting them in. Just like, go, just go. It's <laughs> so you'll come into Boma one day and all the walls will be daubed with stuff. But I think, you know, just being a bit naughty like that is, is fun. And it, it makes people think, you know, because it's like, oh, hang on a minute, why is that naughty? You know, and... You know, how restricted do I feel in a museum normally? And it's a good thought space. So how many rooms is in Voma? Uh, so we've got, at the moment, we've got Gallery Zero, pretentiously. Um, it was supposed to be a temporary name, but it just kind of stuck. Yeah, uh, Gallery Zero works, that's, works, doesn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. So Gallery Zero, that's the big one. Um, so at the moment, that's got two shows in it. Uh, the first show was split into three rooms. This is two shows with a room each. Um, it's quite distinct shows. We've got a, a show of uh, abstract artwork from uh, 20, mainly 20th century, apart from the Van Gogh, which we've got in there. But I got that, that in because he's like kind of a thought leader in abstract painting, yeah. um, in my humble opinion, and probably everyone else's. Um, and then the other show is called Reclaiming the Body, which is to do with the kind of the historical, you know, debasement of the female body within art and history and, and how contemporary and modern yeah. artists have been uh, responding to that. And then we've got um, Gallery One, which uh, the working title for that was the Difficult Gallery. So this is this is a gallery that's kind of dedicated to uh, some of the kind of darker and more tricky parts of art history. So we've got a load of Nazi restitution. Uh, no, uh, no, I'm going to do a Nazi restitution show at some point. Um, but this this is uh, the Degenerate Art show where the uh, this is work that the Nazis thought were um, you know was degenerate but yeah. um, they ended up kind of stealing and then selling into the art market and that's how we know it so Excellent. so it's a slightly kind of yeah, yeah. slightly uncomfortable feeling when you walk in and you're standing in front of the Matisse and going oh I only know Matisse because it was nicked um, and then we've got an artist space which at the moment like I said is Danny Marty um, and then we've got a charity wall so at the moment it's uh, LGBTQ rights uh, um, charity called Human Dignity Trust um, and we're going to be swapping that periodically. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, a video wall and we've got a video partner called Data um, so they do online, um, they're an online service that does uh, shows, showcases video work yeah. so they've got a wall that they curate. Uh, we've got the Discoveries wall, we've got the cafe which is kind of a chat room so you can like sit down and I was going to, there. I was going to jokingly ask about a cafe yeah, I yeah. Chose, I chose not. Yeah, everyone's got to have a cafe. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. Again, that's another one we need to develop more. That's going to come in useful when we do the conference because that'll be where we have breakout rooms and things. Excellent. Um, and we've also got a video in there from our resident DJs, which is Corkers Collective, based yes. out of Lebanon. And, and what's well, the turnaround on each room, Lee? Uh, the shows, the main shows are like every three months. That seemed to work. I did it. To start with, just because that seemed that's a museum length of time, yeah. but actually it was just about right because that it gave enough time for all those different waves of interest to happen. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, so three four months. Uh, I think the artist room. I think we'll probably keep that in there for a couple of months. Uh, the discoveries wall. We're thinking about swapping out once a month. We've got a bit of a queue of works that have been suggested yeah. by people. And if a year down the line I visit again, or I, or if a year from now I visit and I want to see a show that was on nine months ago, is am I able to click and see a show that was there previously? Yeah, the Voma Time Machine. Yes, uh, we haven't actually got the last ones up on site yet, but yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, we, we've only got, with some of them, we've only got limited uh, rights to show the work. Oh, um, nice. Most yeah. of them are either a Didn't year or five. Yeah. yeah, so like the last show, we won't be able to show the Gilbert and George. Uh, that was pretty limited, uh, but I think the rest of it will be fine. That would just be a blank screen, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that's the idea is that you'll just be able to go through the archive and just go yeah. back in time, which would be lovely, like years down the line. Amazing. 
And how can people come and see and enter Voma? And it's just online. You just go to uh, voma.space and it's just there. Um, and you've got, yeah, it's just a kind of a standard website and it's got a big button saying enter Voma. Um, if you just want to bypass that, just go uh, visit.voma.space and you can straight in. Um, yeah, and it's got, you know, there's a reading room in there with all kind of backgrounds and all the works, which is going to build into quite a big archive as well. Yeah, it's a nice resource. It's, um, and sky's the limit, Lee, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's sky and funding. Um, yeah, I, I think... Oh, there is that yeah. as well, yeah, the funding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we get a big pile of cash in the door, I think yeah. the, the architect is actually quite excited about redesigning. So we might have a completely different building. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was in a different place as well, much as we like the lake. Yeah, um, yeah. I think when I came on board, it was in the desert. Um, and it's just kind of changed. Then it was in the middle of a forest. And then they decided to clear the forest and put a lake there. You know, so it, it, we can just keep moving it around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's loads of things that we can do. Um, she wanted to put a kind of a floating pavilion as well, just over the lake. Brilliant. It's so exciting. for an architect so as well, yeah. It's like high concept architecture. Excellent. No, just just really, you know, support it because it, it does need the support of people, you know, even though it does just go to the shop and buy a mug. Yeah. <laughs> Is there like a, a, would you have like a Patreon page or a, um, a, a means of people donate in some way? Yeah, there's there are donation boxes dotted about uh, there's one by the Discoveries wall. Um, we did have a pop-up. Uh, I think we've got rid of that now because it's kind of annoying. Having yeah. a pop-up. <laughs> it's like, give us cash. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're getting onto that now, really. I think we're just really starting to think more strategically long-term now that we've kind of, we're proven now. You know, we've got the visitor numbers. We've shown that we can do good and relevant exhibitions and that people are really engaging with it, really enjoying it. So. Excellent. I think, you know, now's the time for us to kind of, you know, double down and... Is there social media pages that people can visit? Yeah, we've got uh, Instagram, which is at Voma Space. We've got Twitter, which has not been massively lively because I don't really do Twitter and uh, <laughs> I was doing it, but they weren't. Uh, that's also at Voma Space. Um, yeah, and uh, Stuart's always posting it on his as well. So Brilliant. at Stuart Semple, and I'm always posting it at, at Lee Cavalier. Um, and yeah, we're always on, I'm always on Clubhouse nowadays, banging on about um, VOMA and NFTs and, you know, the open market. Um, well, I'd only heard of Clubhouse this week, I think it was, didn't even know of it. It's, it's quite addictive. <laughs> yeah. It's actually quite fun though. It's, it, it is a good kind of opportunity to have a good think and a good chat with people from around the world. I did go on there and have a look and... Um... Yeah, I didn't quite know what I was doing or, or where to go with it or how to get on there even because it's an invite only, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can invite you if you like. I might might be signing your life away, but yeah, it's no, it's good fun. It is good fun. It's kind of part podcast, part conference. So that's the reason I was I was looking on it. I mean, I'll I'll have a look later on, and and if I if I do want to get interested and involved with um with clubhouse I'll, I'll give you a tap if that's all right yeah yeah of course yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's just another way i was a bit terrified of it because i'm not a great fan of you know spending all my time staring at my mobile yeah um, I don't like social but, media anyway really yeah exactly but it is it's a bit more than that um 
it, it you know is a nice way to have conversations which i'm all about you know yeah. well lee that's all <laughs> the questions asked that i've had um, all i can say is damn good luck with voma and um i hope to see you on a private view there sometime <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah well uh, the next ones will be coming up i guess in a couple of months but yeah brilliant it's been real pleasure chatting yeah. with you. Really right lovely. lee good luck thank you very much there you have it lee cavalier i know i say it often but how bloody good was that conversation and what a bit of insight lee and stuart had before covid even hit what a beautiful thing and so accessible for anybody out there in this conversation we spoke about the 16 trust i mean what lee's doing with the 16 trust sounds beautiful right and Lee's well aware of my passion for the inclusivity and accessibility for anyone into the arts. And as a result, Lee invited me to be on the board of trustees. But it had to go in front of the other trustees first. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that just a few days ago I was accepted. So I'm absolutely itching to meet the other board members and find out where I can help to bring uh, art into other people's lives. Fantastic. Really looking forward to it. And I've got to thank Tanny Burns at T Burns Art. Because if she wouldn't have introduced Lee and I, it would never have happened. So, thank you, Tanny. Well, that's about it for this week. Like I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. If you've got any queries, drop us a line on social media at ministryofarts.org. If you're enjoying these episodes, spread the word of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're not, well, fuck you. You won't be listening to this bit anyway. And those of you that are, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta-da. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.